you may not even know as a coach the language that you're using is harmful. That language to you may not be harmful as an instructor, but to somebody who is experiencing negative body image or low self-esteem, they're hearing that. They're saying, okay, my body is showing something to them that I need to change. And then they internalize that as something that they actually have to make a physical change about. You know, there are some coaches that definitely always talk about getting that six-pack and earning food or drinks. And recently, it felt more prevalent. Like, it's that cycle that you kind of forget that, like, process of just moving your body isn't about product. It's about, like, actually showing up for yourself. These conversations are even helpful for people that maybe don't have body image issues but want to hear something more comforting in the class show up as you are like we just can't try to be someone else because we're never going to be successful in that so we might as well just learn to be successful in who we are as we are because that's going to be the most beautiful version of ourselves anyways you're perfect you don't need to look like that person you need to look like you You're listening to Say Yes to You with me, Just Ange Marie, a podcast focused on inspiring you to say yes to you, your life, and your happiness. Let's say yes to showing up genuinely, authentically, and unapologetically to become a better, stronger version of you one episode at a time. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Say Yes To You podcast. My name is Ange, I'm your host, and today I will be talking with Sydney Arnett and Marina Gearhart about alternative language to use in fitness classes that encourage body confidence and steer away from body shaming. Sydney is a fitness trainer for Berries, Everybody Fights, and Give Adelphia, all located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Marina is a grad student studying mental health counseling. She is all about moving from wellness, strength, mindfulness, and body confidence, which I absolutely love and I cannot wait to hear more about that. I don't know about you guys, but I think this topic is absolutely perfect to be discussing right now. Gyms are opening back up, fitness classes are beginning to become a regular thing again, but I feel like a lot of people are unfortunately exercising and working out out of self-hate and not out of self-love. Now, why do I think that? Because there's this term going around called the quarantine 15. I'm sure that you've heard of it at least once, or maybe you even used it in reference to yourself or somebody else. And in my understanding, it refers to any kind of weight that someone has gained over the past six to seven months that the coronavirus has been in effect, which has caused people to eat more, stress more, and exercise less. So I feel like a lot of people are exercising not because it feels good, but because they just want to lose weight, which is fine. But similar to Marina, I'm all about exercise for wellness, mindfulness, and body confidence. Not just to look a certain way, but to feel a certain way. So I'm super excited to talk to Sydney and Marina all about alternative language to use in fitness classes that encourage body confidence and steer away from body shaming, and all of the tips that they have on how to be more cognizant of the mental health and body confidence of clients. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation with Sydney and Marina. All right, so I officially have Sydney and Marina on the line with me. I am so excited to be talking to you guys today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and your week to be on my podcast. I'm really excited to have you. Yeah, thank thank you. you. 
talk a little bit about who you are and what each of you do for people that are not familiar with you guys. So I'm Marina. I'm known as Moving with Marina on Instagram. I am a graduate student at Lesley University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm studying clinical mental health counseling and dance movement therapy. While I'm in school, I am doing an internship at McLean where I'm working with patients with OCD. And last year I worked with patients with eating disorders. And then I also have a full-time job where I work with another type of eating disorder called ARFID where I'm a program coordinator and I do research for them. Um, all right, and my name is Sydney, uh, Sydney Arnett on Instagram. I don't have any, any cool Instagram handles. I am a personal trainer slash group fitness coach slash yoga instructor, so basically all things group, you know, movement uh, in Philadelphia. I work at both Everybody Fights and Berries, and that's what I do. <laughs> Girl, you've got quite the resume over there. <laughs> <laughs> so how did each of you get into the career paths that you are pursuing right now? So I grew up uh, as a dancer, so I was always kind of in the world of dance and movement. You know, I always had this passion for being empathetic towards other people and working through things with people. And then I also had this like very keen awareness to body image and how that showed up, especially in the dance world. And then I was watching, you know, a couple of friends kind of struggle with that as well. And so I think really what's like driven me to where I am in mental health counseling and work with body image and body confidence is just like through my own experience with like my own struggles, watching friends. And then, you know, more recently I've become more passionate about like fitness and going to different classes. And that's actually how I connected with Sydney. Um, but we'll get there um, and just kind of seeing how body image shows up in, in those spaces as well. I started in the professional world in finance. That's what I went to college for. And, you know, I thought I had to do what I went to college for and I didn't want to go back to school. And I did that for a few years and the whole time I was just absolutely miserable. And my whole life I've always been athletic, I guess. I played softball up through my freshman year of college. And when I wasn't on a team, was working out to make sure I was in shape for my next sport or my next season, whenever that was. And the whole time that I was miserable in finance, my mom told me to just quit and do something in health. And so four years into working in finance, that's what I did. I quit. I tried to go back to school for physical therapy, but that's a lot of science if you're a business undergrad. I had to take none before. So while I was trying to figure that out, I got my personal training certificate and my 200-hour yoga teacher certificate and I just, you know, ended up being in the right place, right time and, you know, doing well in fitness that I stopped going back to school. That's something I can relate to because I went to school for digital communications and social media and I still do like social media and stuff like that. I do a little photography, but ultimately when I finished school, I didn't want to use my degree for a job because of that exact reason. I knew that whatever job I wanted to work, I wanted it to like energize me. So I love that you did that and you went after doing something else that feels better to you. I think that's something that a lot of people maybe want to do, but don't necessarily have the courage to do. So how has each of your lives changed since quarantine happened? I know for me, I was living in Philadelphia and I was working at a fitness studio in February and I thought that my life in September was going to look the same exact way that it did in February. I thought that I was just going to be living in the city, working my job, and it looks completely different now. Flashback to January and I would not have said I would be where I am doing what I'm doing right now. 
So tell me how both of your lives have changed and what is kind of like the day-to-day like for each of you now. So my life has changed (laughs) drastically. You know, I was teaching 25 group classes a week to 50-plus people a class. That was, you know, the bulk of my schedule. I had a couple personal training clients here and there. And fortunately, both my studios are within a block of each other, and so was my apartment. So, like, I was, you know, spending my whole time in this little triangle of programming at my apartment, going into a studio with 100-plus people, coaching to 50 of them while they went off to their other classes, my whole life being sort of centered around group fitness because when I wasn't coaching it, I had to program the next class or make the next playlist. So my life went from feeling like I was hitting my stride in fitness as a career to what the hell am I going to do and have to like super hustle. Mm -hmm. And now I'm sort of normalized a little bit now that I've gotten a little bit of a book of personal training clients, which is great. You know, my schedule is sort of returning to the sandwich it was before where I'm up super early to train people. I have a break midday and then, you know, I'm working till 738 training people. But it's definitely slowed down and I've kind of been trying to embrace that, the slowdown, you know, even though, yes, my income has been impacted and it is a completely different way of doing fitness than I was before. I'm embracing the more personal connection I'm creating with my clients. I'm embracing having a little bit extra time during the day to take my dog to, a, you know, one of the Wissahickon trails or just being able to go out and visit my parents during the day. I'm sort of trying to embrace that instead of the overwhelmed by how upset I am that the stride that I was hitting and like feeling really good about all the decisions I made in 2019 being halted to sort of trying to embrace the slowdown and continue to build a book of personal training clients because even when group fitness does come back like I still want to have those people because I've created such a great relationship with them. What Jenny was saying about kind of embracing this moment of change, and I try to keep a journal, and I'm not normally a journaler, so that's the first thing that I think has changed. Um, <laughs> so I'm implementing that into my life, and, and I felt like at the beginning I was writing down, like, this is terrible, I'm just, like, overwhelmed with, like, anxiety, and, like, how am I going to adjust to this, and how long is this going to last, things along those lines, and I got to the point where it was exhausting to be writing those things, and I tried to find a shift where I'm saying, okay, well, what are the things that I have gotten out of this time in quarantine that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And as I started writing them, it was like, it ended up being like, I don't know, like three or four pages of just things that I've had happen. And it gave me kind of a new perspective. And so I guess pre-COVID, I had a similar schedule with the back-to-back kind of moving all around. I would go to, you know, Cambridge for the morning for my class, and then I would go downtown Boston for my internship, and then I would go, you know, a little bit farther out of Boston, and I'd be working at Boston Children's Hospital for my research position, then I'm coming home, and I'm doing homework, and it was just kind of like this cycle of crazy, (laughs) and it always felt very overwhelming, but it was like, you know, i got to keep doing it to get through school. There was always that end date. You know, I'm also the type of person who is very extroverted. I thrive around being with people and chatting with people and once that kind of wall was thrown up it was like all right time to adjust how do we find connection without actually being in person so now I'm currently working from home I'm on my computer 40 hours a week for my job 20 hours a week from internship six hours a week for class so things are definitely really different but I I have to say that I wouldn't have started my account moving with Marina if it wasn't for the extra time that I had had. My internship just started. So, you know, all summer I was just doing my regular 40 hours a week. Uh, so I had some extra time and I was filling it with 
meeting new people through Instagram and um, coming up with this, these ideas of how to incorporate body confidence into these areas of my life, I started becoming more vulnerable through this lens that I have never been able to do before because I just felt like I needed connection and, and, and people were responding and saying, I needed this. I needed to feel this kind of connection again. That brought me back to in the beginning of quarantine, I would sit down with my journal, which is something that it's just one of those things that you tell yourself, like, I have to journal more. But like when you're so busy and you're so go, 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 you just don't do it. In the beginning of quarantine, I had so many thoughts going through my head. I just felt like I had to sit down and journal them out. And I completely relate to the idea of like in the beginning of quarantine, I would write so much that my hand hurt and I would only get like halfway through all of the negative thoughts that I was having. And now I'm bringing out my journal in the morning and I'm writing down things that I'm grateful for and things that I want to accomplish every day and things that like it would make me feel good today if I accomplish these things and these are two or three things that are weighing on my mind and I want to write them down just to get them out of my head and onto paper and they're not going to take over my entire day. So I wanted to talk a little bit about basically how I guess you guys are getting human connection. With Sydney, I wanted to ask you about the fitness scene and kind of like the guidelines and regulations that are in place right now with that. And I guess just like if each of you are doing things in person, what are the kind of rules that you have to follow for your jobs and your lives? And how are you getting human connection otherwise? I was actually just having this conversation on Saturday because in addition to doing fitness, I also am on the board of a nonprofit. And one of the main ways we're able to fundraise is group fitness events. And we hosted one this Saturday in the conversation we were having because we decided that 20 people in person felt like something that we could reasonably socially distance and also not crush an instructor's voice, you know, having to like yell across in an outdoor space. And then we also live streamed it on Zoom so that if you weren't comfortable coming in person, you could still join via Zoom. And the conversation we had after was the turnout was so good. We had 18 out of the 20 people show up. It just felt like an indication that people are so craving movement and other human connection. And the way that I've just been getting human connection is my one-on-ones. I have been training most people outside. It's up to them whether they want to keep their mask on or not. I have a ton of hand sanitizer. I have so many wipes to wipe everything down. When I do do anything group-related, I keep it under 20 people. So I did a boot camp on Saturday. We only allow 16 people in, and that's just so that we can keep everyone pretty, pretty safely separate. It also seems to be anyone that wouldn't be comfortable doing something like that wouldn't sign up. Like anyone I talk to that doesn't feel comfortable in a group isn't signing up, but people who are comfortable are signing up. And the toughest thing is that a gym, so a space that has weightlifting or cardio machines, a regular gym is allowed a 25% capacity, but studios can only have 10 people, including the instructor. For bigger studios, it's It's been really, really hard to keep, not necessarily to keep doors open, like everything's shutting down, but to justify opening, especially if you have an online presence. I mean, I'm not on the corporate side of either of the places I work, so I'm sure they're, you know, they're doing a lot of balancing acts, trying to figure out what works for them and what they need to do. But I don't know, it's like everyone's just so craving the human interaction that when I do these groups, everyone's so, so happy and they're getting to meet new people because of it. And 
if it wasn't for this whole shutdown, I probably wouldn't have done a deep dive into the conversation you had with someone about body image. And then Anne's the deep mm-hmm. dive I had when you posted the uh, influencer trap and we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for this pandemic. So it's like you can get more human connection almost because you're so forced to be virtually connected. Um, mm-hmm. But the anything I'm doing is just straight up for work. And if it's with friends, like it's with friends that we're hanging out outside and we're trying to be as responsible as we can. My experience is like probably pretty similar. One thing that I think has helped me keep my sanity is every Saturday morning, I've been working out with this like small group of like four or five people. We go out to a track and there's, you know, we bring our own weight. And if we rotate, you know, we're keeping places clean and staying apart from each other. And you're totally right, Sydney, about like we are forced to be virtually connected. And I think that has its perks and it has its downfalls. And the perks are, for me, it feels like very much outweighing the downfalls. But the downfalls, of course, where we are stuck on our screens. And, you know, I find there's like an addictive quality to it. And that, you know, when you're needing that connection, it, feel, it feels like that it fills that void. I just miss, you know, being able to sit closely or being able to walk into a restaurant and, and not have four empty spaces tables around me I usually ask for the table like (laughs) towards the outskirts of where people are and it's tough (laughs) one thing you said that really got my attention is how we're on screens a lot more and it can be very addicting and I just watched a documentary on that on Netflix it's um the social dilemma the social dilemma. I just watched that, so that is really on my mind right now. I wanted to get into the body image stuff and what was the conversation that you guys had that like literally led us to this podcast recording today. Let's just dive into all of that good stuff. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> so I can just kind of share like how Sydney and I got connected. So I have a friend who is also a coach here in Boston and she had reached out to me and she saw that I was posting several things about body confidence and body image and you know she was like I have this client that I'm I'm kind of concerned about can we have a conversation I want to make sure that what I'm doing as a coach isn't perpetuating any diet culture or the language that I'm using isn't perpetuating any you know negative body self-talk things along those lines and then her and I after a meeting we're like we need to do an Instagram live about this we need to kind of get this conversation out on how to talk as coaches and work on that language and I think Sydney said that you had seen it and then she reached out to me and she actually sent me a video of her a class that she led on zoom and asked if I would review it and kind of look at what are the places that she could work on in terms of language what are some kind of great things that happen that are you know should she continue to do and then we connected and we were able to like have a really good conversation about what that language looks like and you know I was like these are some places that we could use better languaging and I think one thing that Sydney said was at one point was you know as a coach that you know may not have experienced this before or in a different way or whatever like you may not even know as a coach the language that you're using is harmful one example that's coming to my mind is you know if you're in a plank position and your coach says like, hey, pull your belly up, pull your belly up. And I think that's pretty common across dance. I heard it my whole life. And after having worked among, you know, people with eating disorders, you start to realize 
that language to you may not be harmful as an instructor. Maybe that's what you were taught. But to somebody who is experiencing negative body image or low self-esteem, whatever their past is, that word belly could actually be somewhat triggering for them, right? So they're hearing that. They're saying, okay, my body is showing something to them that I need to change. And then they internalize that as something that they actually have to make a physical change about. After Angie posted your story today, someone reached out in my yeah, you know, they split in. <laughs> and it was a it was a girl who is who is very fit and like takes a lot of classes, but and she said, I'm so glad that you're addressing this because, you know, there are some coaches that definitely always talk about getting that six pack and earning food or drinks and I usually try to tone it out, but recently it's felt more prevalent. So I'm glad you guys are talking mm. about this. And even knowing that she does classes all the time and knowing that she is a person who cares about her physical fitness and will always pursue that, it was reassuring to know that, like, these conversations are even helpful for people that maybe don't have body image issues but want to hear something more comforting in the class. You said it's more prevalent right now, and in the intro of today's episode, I talked about the quarantine 15 and how that is a prevalent term right now. Can we talk about that and what you guys think about that term? And Are you getting clients that have gained weight in quarantine and all they want to do is lose the weight and get smaller and they don't really care about their mental health or feeling a certain way? It's all about looking a certain way. How do you handle that? So I actually experienced this last night. Um... I had a new client come in and they were, they had just signed up the gym a couple weeks before quarantine happened and they were super excited to get, you know, get in shape. And then quarantine happened and they gained the quarantine 15 and I was like, you're human. All our bodies have changed and you're exactly how you're supposed to be. Like, you know, I was trying to remind them that we're human and these things happen and even if you are doing at home workouts, you're still being probably a little bit more sedentary and it's just part of almost the journey of life, and I just, I don't know, the quarantine 15 just doesn't sit right with me, just like the freshman 15 never sit right with that with me. I just don't like those terms. I don't have anything, like, helpful or scientific there. I just try to mm. express to my client last night, like, you're human. That's it. Yeah, I totally love that. I think, Sydney, another thing we talked about was, like, when coaches say, like, you showed up today, and that's just so important to remind clients because I think clients, even myself, I remember going to a workout class or doing a workout class and then, like, immediately coming home and having not eaten anything and then wanting to weigh myself and being like, did I lose anything in the workout class? Like, it's that cycle that you kind of forget that, like, process of just moving your body isn't about product. It's about, like, actually showing up for yourself. And when I think of the quarantine 15... I immediately think of one of the first or second months of all of this. I had somebody coming to my uh, apartment. He was working on our porch outside. And now I've never met this person. And he says some comment about how he's gained the quarantine 15, but, you know, everything else is going great. And I just stood there and I looked at him and I just could not believe that this perfect stranger chose the covid quarantine 15 as the topic of discussion to bring up to this young woman that's standing in front of him. We have never had a conversation. And it just was such a reminder of how, like, infiltrated our world is with diet culture and with weight loss language and things along those lines that are just so exhausting. And I, I just had to laugh. I was like, I don't know how to respond to this in that moment, but this is... This is our life. We are human and 
we adapt and over time, like our bodies shift to help us adjust into the environment, just as like Anne and I were just talking about how we like shifted from writing more negative things into more positive things in our journal. Like your mental space shifts and your physical space shifts as we try to adapt to this crazy world that we're being faced with at this time. The last thing I want to say on that is if somebody is listening right now and they have gained, whether it's 2, 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds throughout the past couple months and they're feeling bad about it, what would you say to them if you were having like a one-on-one conversation with that person? I would just say be soft with yourself, be easy with yourself, allow yourself to show up each day. And if you can't give yourself a a positive affirmation, how do you give yourself something neutral? How do you say my body is doing the things it needs to do to get me through the day? And I think body neutrality is just as important, if not more, than, you know, body positivity or body confidence because it just allows you to say, I am here today and this is my shell and this is my machine and it's going to get me where it needs to go and I don't need to be obsessed with it or super in love with it every single day. So I would just say be easy with yourself and let your body do what it knows how to do. I love that. I think a lot of people needed to hear that right now. So thank you so much for candidly saying that. The next thing I wanted to talk about is more of the terms and things that instructors or trainers might be using in classes right now, either in person or virtually that might be triggering to people. And what are things that they could say instead? Let's dive into that a little bit more. What I notice a lot is just how fitness instructors show up on social media. I think this is a huge, huge place for change. You know, I think I would ask instructors to really consider, you know, what are the different products that you are posting, right? Like when you are posting about that protein smoothie that you're making, what is that company? What are they backed by? What is their messaging? Is that company a company that's, you know, perpetuating this idea of, like, slim waist, like, lose weight fast? Or um, are you posting things that are saying, like, calories for breakfast, like, getting after it, no days off? Are you perpetuating that culture of, like, no rest days? Like, all of these things that coaches think may be more encouraging or, um, you know, empowering to people may actually be more shameful. And I think that showing up on social media, I don't think, I mean, we're all human, right? All of the coaches are human. They want to just live their life on social media and post as they will. But I think once a fitness instructor has a following, you know, that automatically gives them, you know, the space to have influence over other people. And I don't think a lot of people realize that influence that they do have. I think what you just said is so important. As a fitness instructor with a presence on Instagram, the I truly, like, pre-fitness instructor Sid was not on Instagram. Like, she was not. She hated it. It did not do anything positive for her mental health. It just really wasn't for me, and the only true reason I'm on it is to drive business. And I think it's really a tough, like, line that I'm personally balancing is posting things that are beneficial to reminding clients that I am not here to whip you into a certain shape or get your body to a certain point, but most here to be more of an accountability partner and someone that can mm-hmm. help you feel better. Like I'm not that sort of my brand. I struggle when all of these companies will, and this is not a humble brag, like these are usually companies that people don't know, but 
like when they'll reach out and be like, hey, let's collaborate. Like, would love to tell you about our product. And then they're trying to get me to buy their product, to sell their product. And I look up their product and it's all these women with six packs. And I'm like, well, that's not me. So why would I, why would mm-hmm. I hop that? Or if you follow, if you're actually paying attention to my Instagram feed, you'll notice that I eat majority plant-based and like I only use plant-based protein. It's never going to be your whey isolate fat burning protein. Mm-hmm. Like that's not <laughs> for me. And I think mm-hmm. if there's, Personally, as someone who just, you know, after the social dilemma firmed all of my feelings about technology and social media, it's, it's a difficult line to toe figuring out how to get your messaging to remind someone that you're great as you are, I'm just here to help, and the products, if I'm selling them, I believe in them, and I think that's important. I think it's important that we're not selling fit tea and we're not selling whatever those things are that when you go to their pages, it's, just, it's unrealistic. I don't know. Thank you, Sydney. We need more of you. <laughs> I'm just like anti-Instagram, but I need it. Yeah, no, I go through phases like that too. I deleted Instagram for an entire month last year. And I, after watching the documentary, was like itching to do that again. And it's like, if you do delete it, you're losing that business and you're trying to like build a brand and make connections. But no, I get it. It can be hard. And I definitely have my anti-social media days and weeks and months. And it's like the hardest time to keep being consistent and posting and pushing through that. What are both of your like social media strategies? I know, Sydney, we talked a little bit about my post that I put up and you said you were inspired by that. Are you trying to post more content along the lines of that route? What are you guys like trying to put out into the world when it comes to social media? This is going to sound cheesy, but the first word that comes to my mind is just like authenticity, right? Like I don't plan my posts. I don't, you know, write them and schedule them or anything like that. I, I really just try to see what comes up in my day and oftentimes something will happen and then I'll kind of keep repeating that message that came up in my mind as I was doing it. And then I'll take out the notes section of my phone and just start like scribbling out things that will turn into what my caption will be. And then, you know, I usually try to take a photo that is representative of that moment. And I try to just show up as I am in that day. And, you know, I mean, early on into quarantine, I was doing a meditation and I, I started crying in the middle of the meditation. I took a picture of it and I posted it and it was something that was just like a very bizarre thing to do because I was like this is so odd nobody cries on Instagram but I I thought to myself if I saw somebody else be this vulnerable in this space like what would that also allow me to do so I think what I really try to do is just let my vulnerabilities come through and you know if I'm ever using photos that are you know taking more professionally it's like okay but how are those photos matching my messaging um, and being very clear about my intentions? And I hope that that comes through. <laughs> I do try to be as authentic. Totally. And I th- when you say try to be authentic, that doesn't even sound like a, you should just be authentic, right? Um, but I never <laughs> plan any of my posts. I mean, I do have professional photos just because a lot of photographers came out during quarantine wanting to pursue their hobby now that they had time. So, like, I do have some professional photos that I post, and pretty much all I've been posting recently, but I really struggle with not just posting, like, what's going on in my life. And you, I mean, if you went to my feed, you can see the distinct switch between, all right, the world's starting to shut down, I've got to get more people into these classes, and then a super distinct switch between, all right, the world's shut down, now I need to be on here for business purposes. Like, there was always a month between each of my posts before. I'm not, I don't like it. (laughs) I use it 
exclusively to try to connect with more people now, um, you know, that human connection we talked about earlier. And I don't know that I will continue to use messaging as it relates to body image, um, just because that's not my personal brand. It was just between having the conversation with Marina and reading your post about, like, that influencer trap that I felt like this was something maybe I should address because mm-hmm. I think one of the most frustrating things I get is, like, oh, when will I look like you? And I felt like it was important that I address that. I'm, I, you know, like, at what point in my life are you trying to look like me? Like, I don't always look the same. You're not always going to look the same. Um, but body, I don't know if I'll continue to body image message, but I'm sure it'll come here and there because everything I do is like word vomit when I type it. And then I just try to make the sentences make sense. Talk a little bit about the influencer trap and people doing certain workout programs and eating a certain way just because they want to look like you or they want to look like a certain influencer and they're not really enjoying the process. They're just forcing themselves to eat a certain way and work out a certain way because they want to look a certain way. I think you kind of just said it, you know, they see someone they think they want to look like and do exactly what they're doing. And every, when I say body, I mean like separate word, every physical body is so different that it's just not, not realistic. I also think, I don't know, you're, you're perfect. You don't need to look like that person. You need to look like you. Totally. And I, I saw this um, Instagram reel or meme or whatever. It was a video of a girl and she had like, do you remember that game when you were younger where you would put like the circle in the circle, the triangle in the triangle, like square in the square kind of thing? She was trying on all these different shapes, right? So she's like trying to put the circle in the square. She's trying to put the triangle in the square. She's trying to put, right? So she's trying to fit into all these different shapes. And then she finally puts the square on the square, which is herself. And it was just such a like beautiful way of like encapsulating this message of like do not try to fit into someone else's shape just try to be your own shape and show up as that shape like show up as you are like don't you know we just can't try to be someone else because we're never going to be successful in that so we might as well just learn to be successful in who we are as we are because that's going to be the most beautiful version of ourselves anyways right If there is another trainer listening right now that wants to be more aware of the mental health and the body confidence of their clients but doesn't know exactly where to start, what would you say to them? Start observing yourself and start observing what you are being witness to and start asking yourself, are these things that I'm seeing in workout classes or online, are they encouraging of people to show up they are or is it asking them to be someone else? I think also when it comes to language, ask, are you trying to encourage your client to do something by using language like let's earn this brunch that we're going to have after, like taking out anything that, that's going to connect food to fitness, I think is really important because, you know, realistically, coaches, unless they are, <laughs> if you are a coach, you have no business kind of speaking to the the food that is involved in that person's life. And you're probably not a nutritionist. Unless you are, then that's amazing combination. <laughs> but I think just kind of like observing and looking and listening, one of the biggest things that helped me just kind of in my own like body image journey that has been a wild twisty turny ride <laughs> was actually going through my feed and deleting pages that were upholding diet culture that we're trying to sell that like way you know 
protein that I was not going to have anyways, like unfollowing people who are not uplifting me. If I can look at a post and I put it down and I don't feel great after having looked at a post, there's no reason for you to follow it, right? Another thing that I started doing that I absolutely love is following hashtags, which like I totally didn't even know you could do this until recently. So I started following body confidence movement as one hashtag. Um, another one that I actually heard you ask about with Martha on the body acceptance podcast that you did was like the intuitive eating one. Um, that's really helpful because those things are going to kind of inform your world of what's appropriate and, and what's not. And then just, you know, reach out to me. Like, I, I love having these conversations. I am like regularly and proudly unfollowing people on Instagram all the time now because there is so much junk in my feed and you don't realize it until I think until you start following people that I don't want to say better people but people that are more aligned with your message and what you're actually interested in so right now I'm actually interested in mental health and body confidence and intuitive eating and I was following a lot of people that were not interested in any of those things and were preaching like contradicting messages and I would see all this content and be like what why am I even consuming this? So I regularly unfollow people and it makes me feel so much better about what I'm consuming and the content that I'm also creating and posting and sharing. If there is someone who is a client listening right now that feels like their trainer or fitness instructor isn't encouraging body confidence, isn't encouraging of their mental health, maybe is just pushing them to look a certain way or earn that brunch or whatever it is, what would you say to that client? find a new personal trainer. <laughs> yeah, I was no, going to say, telling get you to earn your food. I just, I can't, you know, unless your mom's telling you you can't have dessert without your broccoli, like, <laughs> no one should tell you that to earn. It's not a, it's not a reward system. Totally not. And I think what, I think that's going to be a whole separate tangent. But what I think is, an, is really important is ask yourself um, or remind yourself that there's some underlying reason why your coach is saying things like that to you. There's probably some body image stuff that they're working through on their own. Maybe they have their own fat biases or um, are fat phobic and they're trying to fit you to a mold that you don't fit. Um, so yeah, get yourself someone else. And if you have the confidence to and the comfortability to say something to them, by all the means, like, you know, help open their eyes and expose them to where they could be better. But yeah, there's more out there for you. <laughs> Your personal trainer should make you feel good, not like not bad about yourself. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the Say Yes to You podcast today. We covered a lot of very important things that not enough people are talking about right now. So I'm really happy that we had this conversation. And I think both of you said a ton of things that a lot of people needed to hear. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And I hope that you enjoyed our little conversation. I did. Thanks so much for asking us to do this. Thank you so much for using your platform. I'm so excited to be connected with you both. Thank you. That is all I've got for you guys today. I will talk to you next Friday. Have a great week. Bye.